I've invented a machine with consciousness. I'm not a man, I'm God. The tech villain is fast becoming one of the fearsome stock characters of our time. Is that because we're terrified of how much power we've given their industry to shape our collective future? So how do you spot a tech villain? They've got brains. The tech villain is almost always the smartest person in the room, capable of astonishing feats of computational brilliance. The anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equations. Their brawns are less impressive. While a few examples like Nathan and Ex Machina have gone the buff Jeff Bezos route, most tech villains look like a young Zuckerberg. You've seen guys who were crew, right? No. Okay, well, they're bigger than me. Their ideas are nuts. Tech villains tend to have elaborate plans as complex as their code. And if you step back with a more common sense, big picture outlook, their vision might be totally wacky, if not downright sinister. I'm using the technology to destroy people's trust in it. Because they're so focused on some cold analytical plan, they also don't care who has to get hurt in order to realize their vision. But it doesn't bother you that an innocent man is in jail? Eh, he was surly. They're a narcissist surrounded by sycophants. Have I just surrounded myself with sycophants who are just telling me whatever I want to hear? Regardless of the truth. No. And when someone does stand up to a tech villain, this isn't well received. I gotta stick with the company. I am the company! They use rhetoric about saving the world, but their actual goal is to dominate it and selfishly amass an unlimited amount of money and power. I want to be a billionaire. They're usually a he. The realm of tech villainy is possibly even more male-dominated than the actual tech industry. But there have been a few recent exceptions as the popular girl boss villain trope has started to edge over into tech. She's reckless. Sooner or later, one of her stunts got blow up. Tech villains on screen are nearly as old as film itself. But the trope is surging today, reflecting the non-stop stories of tech companies behaving badly. As technology and its questions have changed, this figure has morphed and developed subtypes to reflect shifting attitudes toward what tech adds to our lives and what it threatens to cost us. You know, they said, Bill, you gotta keep optimizing. You know, you gotta keep people engaged. So it was more like a crack pipe. Here's our take on the different types of tech villains and what they reveal about today's fears of technology. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get notified about all our new videos. The Mad Scientist. Over the hundred year history of film, our heroes have stayed remarkably similar, tough, ruggedly individualist, and deeply virtuous. From noir detectives to Western cowboys to soldiers, gangsters, and most recently, superheroes, the costumes may change, but the person wearing them rarely does. I can do this all day. As a result, it makes sense that our villains are often the exact opposite of the hero. Brain instead of brawn, cold reason instead of heart, ordering around lackeys instead of doing things themselves, and sacrificing others' good for their own as they focus only on what's best for them. Perhaps the most iconic of the early tech villains was James Bond's nemesis in his first ever film, 1962's Dr. No. A unique feat of engineering, if I may say so, I designed it myself. Dr. No has all the classic tech villain hallmarks, an elaborate plan, a fancy science layer, plenty of henchmen, and a lust for power. Now they can both pay for their mistake. World domination, same old dream. He also forms a perfect dark mirror for Bond, as his superior intelligence is limited by physical weakness. He lost a hand to radiation, literally and metaphorically sacrificing strength for knowledge, a common stereotype about disabled villains throughout film history. 
While Dr. No's tech was limited by the computing power of the 60s when the internet was being built, the rise of the World Wide Web in the 90s led to a new generation of mad scientists going full digital. Cybersecurity CEO Jeff Gregg in The Net and financial hacker Eugene Belford in Hackers fused the mad scientist trope with internet culture. We are samurai, the keyboard cowboys. The architect in The Matrix perhaps perfected the trope, complete with digital goons, intricate planning, a secret layer that's really hard to access, and a highly esoteric communication style. Your life is the sum of a remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming of the Matrix. Over time, the mad scientist villain became so iconic that it veered towards comedy. You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. Tech villains in the classic mold do occasionally pop up in modern films. See Raul Silva in James Bond's Skyfall. But this cartoonish tech villain has generally fallen out of favor. The noble cause villain. While some tech villains are pure evil, many tech villains are more complex, embracing dangerous means in service of a theoretically noble end. A silver bullet to keep in reserve to use against the Kryptonians, so the day does not come, madame, when your children are waving daisies at a reviewing stand. Over the course of the 90s, this trope became the dominant model of the tech villain, but it is much older. In Fritz Lang's silent film Metropolis, C.A. Rotwang is a brilliant engineer who creates a robot to incite a rebellion against the wildly unjust system and take down the corrupt elites. His hatred of injustice matches the hero's, but Rotwang's method risks too many lives and the hero throws him off a roof. Often, these noble cause villains are as evil as a classic villain. They've just convinced themselves their evil actions are necessary. Mankind is the virus, and I'm the cure. This type is perhaps best typified by Jesse Eisenberg's version of Lex Luthor. Costumed like a tech CEO and played by the patron saint of twitchy computer nerds, Lex makes some compelling points about superpowered aliens. You don't have to use a silver bullet, but if you forge one, well then, we don't have to depend upon the kindness of monsters. But his solution is as convoluted as it is villainous. If you kill me, Martha dies. And if you fly away, Martha also dies. But if you kill the bat, Martha lives. In other films, the noble villain is surprisingly sympathetic. In the iconic 90s hacker film Sneakers, the villain Cosmo comes up with a plan to eliminate money in order to put an end to its destructive capacity, giving a speech where he makes some good arguments. What's wrong with this country, Marty? Money. Money's most powerful ability is to allow bad people to continue doing bad things at the expense of those who don't have it. Otto Octavius in Spider-Man 2 is a kind and brilliant man developing sustainable energy, but when things go wrong, the artificial intelligence in his robot arms convinces him that he must do whatever it takes. The real crime would be not to finish what we started. Noble cause villains are certainly not limited to the scientific or tech world. Marvel has embraced them to great success with Thanos and Killmonger. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us, but their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. But the affinity of the noble cause villain to technology is exemplified by the extent to which they dominate a particular subset of high-tech villains, the artificial intelligence villain. Film representations of artificial intelligence often show them following orders mindlessly, no matter who gets hurt. HAL 9000 in 2001 A Space Odyssey is committed to completing the mission, even if that means killing astronauts. Open the pod bay doors, HAL. I'm afraid I can't do that. 
The AI with a secret mission it prioritizes over people's safety recurs throughout film history. There's the android Ash in Alien and the ship computer Auto in WALL-E. Orders are, do not return to Earth. While some AI are programmed to be noble cause villains, others reach that conclusion on their own. Vicky in iRobot realizes that humans cannot keep themselves safe unless they are imprisoned. You cannot be trusted with your own survival. While Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron decides to protect the world by destroying its heroes. There's only one path to peace. The Avengers Extinction. The popularity of the noble villain for AI reveals the fundamental fear that inspired this trope, that a purely logical scientific approach to decision-making will inevitably become monstrous. My logic is undeniable. The Accidental Tech Villain While the 20th century was dominated by tech villains whose cold moral calculus had to be stopped, the 21st century has seen a wave of good guys whose noble intentions paved the path to hell through ineptitude. Ultron may be a classic noble cause AI, but his existence rests on Tony Stark's overly ambitious plan to use his computer skills to build a suit of armor around the world that ends up trying to kill everyone. You built this program. Why is it trying to kill us? While the noble cause villain is making active immoral choices, this new trope features good guys who just aren't very good at being good. This accidental tech villain subtrope has become common on TV as well. Elliot in Mr. Robot tries to fix society through computer hacking. I wanted to save the world. But his plan spirals out of his control as he triggers economic collapse. Meanwhile, in the Black Mirror episode Smithereens, the writers took inspiration from Twitter's Jack Dorsey to craft a social media CEO who creates a destructively addictive platform that spirals out of his control. I started it. There's nothing I can do to f***ing stop it. Even the James Bond series, iconic home of the villainous scientist, has come to realize that good guys can be just as dangerous. In No Time to Die, M develops murderous nanobots, only to find the technology turned into a weapon of mass destruction. Obrichev modified the nanobots so that they can kill anyone related to the target. This shift from villains making vicious calculations to heroes causing unintended consequences reflects a shift in the public's understanding over the past decade. While we used to fear the cold logic of too much intelligence, we've come to realize that tech titans may not be so smart after all. Every six months reveals another accidental data breach, from tech giants like Yahoo and Uber to financial companies like Equifax and the First American Financial Corporation. Customers' names, accounts, and other personal information was exposed. These security failures reflect the fact that the real danger may be less from brilliant evil than from well-intentioned stupidity. As Hanlon's Razor states, never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. For a while, the standard bearer for stupidity-induced evil seemed to be Facebook, which enabled Russian bots to flood the site with propaganda in 2016, released the data of millions of users to Cambridge Analytica for election manipulation, and failed to censor hate speech in Myanmar, leading it to play a determining role in a genocide. Myanmar has been established as a genocide that was highly um, amplified and enabled by social media. Yet as scandals keep piling up, a new darker concern began to bubble. What if those people never really had good intentions to begin with? Facebook apologized for its role in the Myanmar genocide, but it has since been accused of enabling similar unrest in Ethiopia and India. Whistleblower Francis Haugen revealed that Facebook knew that its policies could cause political problems and maintained those policies to maximize revenue. Prioritizing what you see based on what will provoke a reaction is dangerous. Mark said it, it's dangerous because people are drawn to extreme content. 
But he also said, don't worry. Meanwhile, Apple has been accused of dodging taxes, Amazon of abusing workers and small businesses, and Google was caught collaborating on drone warfare. Yet even as these companies prioritize profits, they continue to make claims about making the world a better place. Over time, the cognitive dissonance led to the birth of a new kind of tech villain, the secret asshole tech villain. It is fitting that the proto-version of the secret asshole tech villain archetype began with the real story of the founder of Facebook. The 2010 film The Social Network ignores the real Mark Zuckerberg's claims that Facebook ever cared about connection or free speech and instead focuses on his obsession with dominating others and standing out. How do you distinguish yourself in a population of people who all got 1,600 on their SATs? You're gonna hand them a business card that says, I'm CEO, bitch. Four years later, the subtrope would bloom fully in Silicon Valley's Gavin Belson. You know, 100 years ago, men like me could have had people like that killed. Satirically modeled on a combination of Sergey Brin and Jeff Bezos, he spouts ludicrous claims of tech saving the world. Making the world a better place through minimal message-oriented transport layers. But behind closed doors, he is petty, vile, and often just plain dumb, wasting company resources on ever-escalating absurdities. If you're bringing another animal into this boardroom, this meeting is over. Of course not. Don't insult me. Gentlemen and lady of the Hooli board, even when he does inadvertently help the world, it's entirely about serving his own ego. I don't want to live in a world where someone else makes the world a better place, better than we do. To emphasize the parallels to the actual tech industry, the writers of the show invoke real scandals, such as the Wall Street Journal editorial that compared the Occupy movement to Nazi persecution of Jews. Did you just compare the treatment of billionaires in America today to the plight of the Jews in Nazi Germany? Absolutely. The portrayal of Gavin was a shot across the bow of tech, but that single shot quickly became a barrage as numerous portrayals riffed off real figures and scandals to make these fictional villains feel even more real. Steve Lift, the Bezos-esque CEO in Sorry to Bother You, goes on Oprah to say, We're transforming life itself. We're saving the economy. I mean, we're saving lives. Yet he is not only profiting off slave labor, he's even plotting to transform these workers into monsters. So you making half-human, half-horse things so you can make more money? Yeah, basically. In discussing the character, director Boots Riley gets at what makes this subtrope so real and so dangerous. Steve Lift represents the new trend of new capitalism being no capitalism. What? This isn't a workspace. This is a playroom. It's an attempt to hide what's actually going on. While older tech villains are open about their lust for power or revenge and noble cause or accidental villains are at least sincere in their flawed beliefs, the secret asshole villain knows exactly how bad his behavior is, but uses the vernacular of modern liberalism to disguise his bottomless financial greed. Carlton Drake in Venom defends a young black girl who gets in trouble for asking a question. Sometimes it's what people do. They try and silence those of us who ask questions, but you know what, in the end, we're the ones who changed the world. But when rushed human trials of the newly discovered symbiotes kill the first subject, he barely bats an eye. Bring in the next volunteer. Meanwhile, Nathan in Alex Garland's Ex Machina and Bradley Hasling in Steven Soderbergh's Kimmy directly echo the privacy breaches of Google and Amazon Alexa, respectively. You hacked the world's cell phones? Yeah, and all the manufacturers knew I was doing it too. But they couldn't accuse me without admitting they were doing it themselves. These two CEOs are fluent in the bromides of the tech industry. It's our people and their level of excellence that sets us apart. But at the end of the day, their goals are either financial. Where'd they set the share price? 31. 
Which would put us north of. I can't count that high. Or purely egotistical. He looked up at me and he said, you're not a man, you're a god. Yeah, but I, I didn't say that. This trend has already become so ubiquitous that it even works in comedies. In Free Guy, Heiko Watiti's insane video game CEO Antoine dresses like Jack Dorsey and attends Burning Man like just about every CEO in the Valley. But despite his rock star appearance, Antoine is lying to his customers and releasing a game riddled with bugs in order to rake in money on pre-orders. Antoine, you told the fans Free City 2 was backwards compatible. Well, here's the thing. When I said that, I was lying. Meanwhile, in Don't Look Up's story about a deadly comet heading toward Earth, the tech genius Sir Peter Isherwell wants to mine the Earth-killing comet to add to his own wealth and publicly justifies his plan by claiming a wild array of benefits for humanity. Poverty as we know it, social injustice, loss of biodiversity, all these multitudes of problems are just going to become relics of the past. When the time comes, his promised vague miracle plan to stop the comet doesn't materialize. He's actually only focused on escape for a small cohort of important people, and his selfishness enables human extinction. Some comedies with secret asshole villains are also exploring how they interact with the accidental tech villain and what that says about tech as a whole. In Search Party, Jeff Goldblum plays a tech billionaire influenced by Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Elizabeth Holmes, who teams up with protagonist Dory to sell enlightenment in a pill. The character is a fraud trying to make a buck. The New York Times called your company a cult with snake oil. But Dory, who really does believe in the righteousness of her plan, becomes a much more dangerous accidental tech villain by creating a zombie pandemic. I don't want to do the math, but the aggressive nature of this is likely to significantly reduce the population. The show hammers home that delusions of grandeur, even well-intentioned ones, can do even more harm than just being a hack. Silicon Valley also comes to a similar conclusion. As dangerous and insane as Gavin Belson is, it's our noble heroes who end up accidentally creating a technology that would make them extremely rich, but would also destroy the world. This will mean the end of privacy. Financial institutions, the nuclear launch codes for every single nuclear weapon, all will be exposed. The only solution left to the Pied Piper team is a noble failure. They selflessly don't pursue success in order to help keep the world safer. And this reminds us that instead of thoughtlessly just chasing profit and fame as so many in our society do, being a real tech hero might mean being careful about what you don't add to the world. Effective immediately, I am shutting down Pied Piper, deleting its code repositories, and liquidating its remaining assets. As this wave of fictional analogs drew inspiration from actual tech leaders, it was only a matter of time before filmmakers started portraying those real figures without changing the details. In We Crashed, WeWork CEO Adam Newman claims, WeWork is not just a company, it's a movement. And yet, as one employee points out, We lease office space. We hang a few Edison light bulbs and a neon sign, and then we act like we're changing the world. The trailer of Showtime's Uber show, Super Pumped, distills the entire trope down into less than 20 seconds, inspiring cliches. We are disruptors, because that is what revolution requires. Dishonest business practices. We're deceiving the most powerful tech company in the world. And wildly overinflated self-importance. We are kings, gods. Newman, too, gets called out for having a Jesus complex. You're not God. I do look a little bit like him. The shift to real-life examples has introduced a new wrinkle, gender. Both the miniseries The Dropout and the upcoming film Bad Blood tell the story of Elizabeth Holmes, who dreamed of riches and claimed to be helping others. Because this machine and all of us are going to change the world. 
while actually endangering people's health. Though the dropout plays all the hits, Holmes's gender shifts the trope as Holmes must reshape herself to fit in, even rebuilding her voice to sound more masculine. This is an inspiring step forward. An inspiring step forward. She also faces violence due to her gender and a fraught relationship with her much older boyfriend and company president, Sonny Balwani. While The Dropout explores how gendered violence complicates these narratives, We Crashed's portrayal of Rebecca Newman highlights how the great man theory of tech erases women. It recognizes that Rebecca is just as central to the creation of WeWork as Adam, and just as toxic. She's even better at spewing propaganda than her husband. Our mission of the company, it really is to elevate the world's consciousness. As the company takes off, she quickly finds her role siloed. Your husband did a wonderful thing here. You should be proud. Yet the show recognizes that even though Rebecca is a victim, she's no less manipulative, self-aggrandizing, or guilty of misleading people. It's a point that also comes through in Holmes's story or the series The One, which features another devious tech CEO named Rebecca. The complaints of gender double standards are true and have shaped these women, perhaps contributing to their belief that they have to cut ethical corners, but that doesn't excuse the wrongs they do and the harm they perpetuate. I'm supposed to apologize for that. Men never do. While the high-tech villain is an age-old classic, the relative popularity of different subtropes in different eras reveals how our relationship with technology has changed. Like, it was one thing when I started it, and then it just... I don't know, it just became this whole other thing. We went from believing in the brilliance of our scientists, even if we doubted their moral judgment, to realizing how easy it is to make mistakes, to recognizing that so many of our tech leaders are simply greedy narcissists telling us whatever we want to hear. And while the threats of tech-induced death and destruction remain, the benefits of technology have started to appear more meaningless, even as rhetoric continues to grow more self-aggrandizing. We're making the world a better place through constructing elegant hierarchies for maximum code reuse and extensibility. After decades of scandals and self-dealing, our society has come to recognize that we cannot trust the people who run tech companies. Yet at the same time, we have come to rely on them more than ever. We slip computers into our pockets that track our every interest. We wear bracelets and rings that measure everything about our bodies. We spend more time connecting through Zoom, social media, email, and text than in person. Perhaps this is the most tragic irony that the shifting tech villain trope reveals. The narcissistic idiots who claim they are changing the world really are. It's just not so clear if they are changing it for the better. They're not even smart enough to be as evil as you're giving them credit for. Oh, hi, friends. This is The Take on all of your favorite movies, TV shows, and pop culture. Don't forget to subscribe and ring the bell for notifications. We're going to need a bigger screen.